NFL Week 7 Market Outlook. I'm your co-host, Brett Matthew, with my partner and alt-betting strategist, Judah Fortgang. In our circuit contest, we went 3-2. and two. Now on the season, 58%. The top five circuit consensus picks are hitting at basically 60% right now. That's easily more than 10% off the average. You look back over the last, like counting the super contest, going back all the way to about 2008, and top five consensus picks hit in that 51, 52% range. So they're gonna see some reversion to the mean there. It's not super uncharacteristic, if you remember last year, through the first eight weeks of the season, favorites were just cashing tickets left and right. Any sort of contrarian better was just getting their face ripped off. And then it kind of topped in about week nine. I posted a chart that demonstrated if you were betting the favorite spreads and favorite money lines. It was the best first nine weeks in 20 years of data. And then it was all given back in the next four weeks. You would think, hey, if you're just a better just betting favorites on the spread and money line, like that's not a positive PL strategy. Yeah. And if it is a positive PL strategy for a certain time period, that's an anomaly. It's also not as if we've been on market at all. <laughs> You've had a bunch of weeks really oh. off market, which leads to some interesting strategy angles of like circa you have to pick five games and you can be off market and still have diverging outcomes. I think it gives us confidence to, to keep pushing with where we're going. We're playing almost a different game. And the circa consensus is going to fail. And if we just stay at the course, maybe improve a little bit, we're in we're sitting pretty. Yeah. And again, 17, 12, and 1, 58%. And in the six weeks, that's been relatively public, heavy, successful. So before yep. we jump into week seven, we're going to do a quick refresh of week six. We'll look into some of our consensus market power rankings, see how some of the industry analysts have adjusted their rankings after week six's performance. And we'll also touch a little bit on some of our drive quality scores, see if anything sticks out there that is meaningfully different from some of the realized scores. And then we'll dive into week seven. But before we do, I do also want to just give a definitely a round of applause to both you, Judah, and also Arjun, who was on last week's episode. You guys provided some amazing, just spot on chef's kiss handicaps on both the Jets and the Bengals, both caches. In fact, you were so hot on the Jets that you wrote about Jets minus five and a half alt line again alt line betting extraordinaire that's and that's a special thing thank you all right week seven consensus market power rankings bills continue to stay at one standard deviation zero 538 football outsiders and predict all have the bills at one no change from last week i'm generally very skeptical of consensus i don't know how you can pick anyone but the bills right now yeah. There's so well, much better. Yeah, basically like default, you have no other choice. But that again, that doesn't yeah. mean that they can't lose and they still can't they're gonna lose to the Dolphins. Like that happens. They were really a shade away from losing to the Ravens. Again, if, if Mahomes doesn't throw a pick, I mean they could potentially yeah. have lost that game too. And then we got the Chiefs there coming up in second. Football outsiders a little bit off market at seven. And then to round out the top five, we got Eagles, Bucks, Cowboys with a big jump year to date. And this is also pricing in the expectation of the return of Dak. And then to round out the top 10, we got Bengals in six, jumped up three spots. Ravens down two spots. Niners at eight flat. There were eight last week as well. And then Vikings in Packers. Packers certainly with the most precipitous fall across industry analysts. Down three spots now sitting at 10. Most bearish is Football Outsiders at 20th. ESPN is continuing to hold on to the Packers as a relative top five team, has them still at six. And then another big jumper squeaking right outside the top 10 is the Patriots at 11, jumping nine spots year to date, five spots just last week. And it's some of the sharper industry analysts, so PFF 538 has them higher there than ESPN. ESPN still has them as industry average at 14. The Bucks, that they're fourth is insane to me. They're not the same team. At what point are we going to start actually downgrading them? Cage had a note out today on PFF highlighting something that we've all seen and recognized is this broader downfall of offenses this season. He just did some work kind of quantifying that and then made some bet recommendations and hey, maybe 
if you're a team with a better defense, maybe that isn't something you should just sweep under the rug like we have the last couple of years. He highlighted fading the Ravens, fading maybe the Chargers, maybe buying a team like the Broncos. But the Bucks is certainly a team up there. And I'm not as bearish as you are on the Bucks. We were down on the Bucks from a season-to-day basis, and it's playing out. They're three and three. Yeah. But I don't want to get too bearish. I think they can start to come around. They've dealt with a lot of injuries already. The wide receivers are in and out. And you can see when you watch the gameplay, too, he really misses Gronk. Which we talked about. You make a very good point, and it's important to clarify. We know with Brady and the Bucks, though, if everything comes back, the ceiling is still intact. But until that actually manifests, you've got to take a step back in my view. Which is like, we should assume if they have ceiling, right? And they could be the top four team, but they're not playing to the top four team right now. And until they do so, we shouldn't be power ranking them as such. Yeah. And what actually is interesting is a standard deviation for the Bucks. So looking at how volatile are industry analysts' perception of the Bucks, and the volatility is very low. It's pretty uniform that across industry analysts still ranking this team as a top five team. And I think, yeah, they're certainly not a top five team at this point. I think everyone's kind of holding on to what they think that they can eventually evolve yeah. into. Yeah, I'll add one more. That's pretty surprising to me. The Colts at 17 is pretty shocking. Part of the frustration with the Jags handicap is that I think the Jags side was perfectly right. The Colts side is just wrong. And that did not see the Colts coming out and putting up a terrific offensive performance. But I don't know why we're assuming that's the, gonna be the new norm. Again, consistent couple of good performances, happy to upgrade the, the Colts. But like, why isn't this a one-off in the same way that we have weird one-offs like the Bills losing to the Jags last year? These things happen. I don't know why. Or just like, okay, the Colts are coming back. Like, they put five brutal games. Consistent. Five yeah. bad games on offense. I'm not ready to say, oh, they're the 17th best team. Yeah, so jump seven spots. Should they be justifiably upgrade seven spots off that game versus the Jags when they were down... 14 to three. We look at the time-weighted average margin. It was negative three for the Colts. Time-weighted average win percentage, 44%. So on average, they were losing that game and nonetheless still being upgraded seven spots. So I think it's certainly unjustifiable. Yeah. But it means that they were ranked 24th last. One of the things I wanted to point out, I feel like maybe we overlooked as well, I think this was the first game where they had Pittman, Pierce, and Paris Campbell. The defense is getting healthier. They didn't have Shaq Leonard still, but I feel like they've been the healthiest that they've been all season. I, one of the things we wanted to see to make sure that we continue to, felt, to feel comfortable with having exposure on the Jags was that the Jags were gonna get pressure on Matt Ryan, which wasn't materializing. And if you give Matt Ryan time, a clean pocket, with Campbell, Pierce, and Pittman all at his disposal. That's not that bad of a setup. Whether they have Jonathan Taylor or not, I think is irrelevant. And that was one thing that you were calling out as we were watching the game. And yeah. we were like reluctant to hedge our Jags position because we wanted the Jags to win. We wanted right. the Jags to cover. I think what's interesting is that like they, they changed their offense, which is they got the ball out really quick. Matt Ryan had a like 2.37 time to throw. Like week five against the Broncos, he was 2.79 time to throw, 2.71 against the Titans. You get the idea. So I'm curious if it's like a fundamental shift or it was a one-off game plan to slow down the Jack pass rush. But we'll see. When we look at the biggest one-week movers, so the biggest downgrades, we got the Browns down six spots, Cards down six spots, Saints down four spots, and then a flurry of teams down one or two spots. Giants <laughs> down another two spots. The market does not believe in the Giants. No one believes in the Giants. So still market ranked 24th, despite being five and one. And it's not just the eye test is telling you that. I think even some of the numbers are telling you that. We called this out last week when the verse the Packers their time-weighted average margin was negative. Their time-weighted average win probability was negative. It was negative again this time. So negative three points, time-weighted average margin, time-weighted average win probability, 43%. Do any of these stick out to you as unjustified, justified? 
as far as down. Uh, I would move the Packers down more. The same conversation with the Bucks, but their defense isn't as good, and their offense doesn't have the same ceiling. I don't think. Yeah, uh, the rest downgraded just one spot. Yeah, and the Giants is pretty surprising. But the fact that they're even with the Ravens, I would think that warrants a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah. But I think this is early season noise. We're going to look back at week seven, and it's going to be the ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. What do you think about Cardinals? So downgraded six spots. I know your thesis on Cardinals is certainly like a longer-term play. Yeah. Our drive quality, they're in the bottom left quarter. At this point, you have to downgrade them. Right. You can't put up <laughs> no points against a disastrous Seattle defense. But at the same time, DeAndre Hopkins is back, and that's a huge yeah. addition. And we know the on-off splits are generally pretty noisy, but Kyler Murray's been a lot better with DeAndre Hopkins, especially when he can establish the deep passing game. But I think as it currently stands, the Cardinals move is justified. When we look at biggest movers to the upside, I mentioned Patriots up five. Seahawks, Falcons, Bengals all up three. Jets only up two. Consensus market rank still 21st. Rams, Vikings, both up two, and then a flurry of a few other teams just up one. When we look at standard deviation, this is one thing I want to call out. So the highest standard deviation, the most disagreement across industry analysts, where way up or way down, is the Jags, our Jags. Standard deviation of 10 spots. You got ESPN at nine, 538 at 30th. PFF at 27th. Football yep. Outsiders at 8th. So just all over the map. Seahawks continue to be all over the map. Big upgrade by 538 this week. Football Outsiders have them at 10 last week. Upgraded them a spot to 9th. But ESPN, PFF still have them as a bottom 4-5 team. These are the teams you think are more volatile and they'll be the most disagreement. Which is like, by analytical metrics, the Jaguars are shining. But they're 2-4 and four with some bad losses, frankly. The Seahawks guy, who knows what's going on with Geno Smith. Do you buy, do not buy. Denver's the tail of, okay, their defense seems to be legitimately good. And Russell Wilson's bad. But even though everyone loves to talk about how bad Russell Wilson is, in the back of everyone's head, it's okay. But is he going to turn around? A similar story with the Colts, to a lesser extent. Because Matt Ryan's not 32, he's 38. The Rams, Packers, and Bucks, I'm a little surprised they're not higher. But they do, at least the Packers and Rams are pretty high up on this list. When you're looking at teams with the largest standard deviation in power rank right now, those are the teams that I think provide potentially the most value betting. Because this is basically demonstrating the market cannot get a grip on how to power rate these teams. 100%. And so I guess it would make sense for us to continue to lead in the Jags if we like them from a fundamental perspective. And then from a market perspective, they don't know how to rank this team anyway, or how to price yeah, them. That's why I keep coming back to them. I'm trusting the numbers. Another one just to call out lastly here is the Titans. PFF 538, top 10 team, ESPN 24. The big disagreements there in yeah. perception of the Titans. They just come off a bye week, so it's quiet as far as sentiment. I don't think the AFC is as good as everyone thinks. Yeah. I don't know what's happening this season. And like the Titans are at least in the conversation where they're not so bad. That's emblematic of this season in the sense of, I don't think any team is as good as you think that there are. And there's probably no team that's as bad as you think that they are. Though, except for maybe the Panthers. Unanimous ranked yeah. 32nd. From our drive quality scoreboard. Again, we called out a couple games already. Bills Chiefs, we got Bills winning by a full touchdown. Chargers beating Broncos by a full touchdown. Despite not leading for most of that game. That is another, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, time weighted average margin negative three. Time weighted average win probability 43% for the Chargers. Yeah, interesting distinction there. Jets decisively beating the Packers, so no asterisk there. Bucks and Steelers, we have essentially tying. 22 to 22. And then the last one I would call out is Washington and the Bears. We got Washington beating the Bears 13 to 10. Whereas most people would say, and the eye test would say, oh, the Bears should have won that. Because the Bears were inside the red zone three times, didn't get any points or whatever. And the only touchdown that they ended up getting was off that muck punt was a six yard drive. What actually makes me confident in our numbers and confident in the model, giving us actually insight into this as I know Josiah, 
Sharp Clark. I know he had posted something along the lines of, because he, he comes at what we're doing here, but more from like a qualitative perspective. Whereas yeah. our computer watches every play of every game. And he actually watches every play of every game. He scored Washington as having played better in that game from yeah. that perspective. And I'd rather line up with him than like the average everyday kind of dumb schmuck NFL 100%. Fan. So I like that. Let's get in to NFL week seven. Two more weeks and we're halfway through. Don't say that. Thursday night football, Saints, Cardinals, Saints plus two. Saw this dip down to one, now back to two. I think it opened up around two and a half. DeAndre Hopkins coming back this week. I heard even Robbie Anderson might play, and I don't think that really moves the needle one way or the other. But no Marquise Brown now. I think he's going to be out for at least the next couple weeks. And their offensive line is getting destroyed. And that can be pretty meaningful. We can see from an injury perspective, four offensive linemen, either starters or backups, are banged up in this game versus yeah. Saints defense that's healthier. And now the defensive side also banged up, but Saints missing Landry. Thomas yeah. Landry, Lattimore. Alave is the only one who's going to come back this Alave's week. Alave is going to come back. The strength of the Cardinals defense is their secondary, which I think is the depth that New Orleans has a wide receiver. There are a couple central questions to this game, which is the Saints offense really played well against the Seahawks, number one, because the Seahawks defense is atrocious number two because they brought back Jason Hill really used them as a weapon and last week it was like relying on I think Rashid Shaheed having a 45 yard run and a combo of Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara I think almost there's a lot of tape out there which says okay this is what the Saints now want to do which is like that kind of grinds in the run game and if they're relying on big run plays like I, that's not a successful offense Andy Dalton was not good last week I think the strength of the Arizona defense lies in their pass defense again you don't want to coach your bets you don't actually know what's going to happen I would not be surprised to see the Cardinals kind of try and stop the run and again this is a good live angle which is like they're selling out to stop the run I think the Saints are going to have a lot of trouble scoring if they can get the run game going and it opens up everything and they can kind of play well on offense that's you kind think of DeAndre Hopkins coming back this week is going to really move the needle from an offensive yeah. perspective? Yeah, it's a great question, which is almost, are the Cardinals very similar to what they were last year and are just missing DeAndre Hopkins? And we know their offense is not great without Hopkins, but like they're going to get back to the 2020, 2021 Cardinals. Or is this, no, this is a different offense and they really have taken a step back, even with Hopkins. And like, there's something more fundamental than just the players in the roster. And the Saints certainly outperformed, I think, our expectations last week. First, I did want to point out actually from our drive quality scoreboard in that game versus the Bengals. And again, we know this because we watched it, but time-weighted average margin for the Saints plus five. Time-weighted average win probability 74%. And we yep. were leading into the Bengals when we were live betting, like expecting them to come back. But you don't want to put yourself in that position. You don't Not want to here. put yourself in a position to have to come back. You, you don't want to rely. Extending drives on third down. Yeah. So the Saints certainly played better than what even we thought. And now they have a lot of it, at least, for this week. Yeah. And we look at the Cardinals, looking at our kind of drive quality from an offensive and defensive perspective, in that bottom tier, that bottom left quadrant. Yeah. But I obviously getting Dondre Hopkins is a huge get back. It's just the question is like, how does he perform in game one? Maybe they're gonna script some stuff to him. Yeah. Yeah. Seems exactly like the use for him. Packers at Washington. Packers minus four and a half. This was at least at five and a half. Maybe it even touched six. Been dripping lower over the course of the week. Sentiment is really bad on both these teams, but still much worse for Washington. On DraftKings, at least 72% of the handle, 76% of the bets on the Packers, as we talked about. Packers being downgraded three spots this week, down three spots year to date. Washington currently power ranked around 28th from a consensus market rankings perspective. Pretty much unanimous across the board as well, around 25th, 27th, 29th perspective. Still at home, and now no Carson Wentz. Now we got Heineke. Would you buy the dip on the package? Do you think they haven't even been downgraded enough? Four and a half is pretty shocking to me. 
And this is a team that can barely stay with the Bears. I like yeah. Washington here. Most people are, are writing off Washington. Carson Wentz broke his finger or his thumb or whatever in the like first quarter. This just led me to an interesting play here, which is we talked on our last live stream about particular plays with the intention of selling out. Yeah. The play here is to bet the commander's money line. Grab that 175. Maybe even actually move it to minus two. I don't know what the alt spread is. A minus two and a half. Because at some point in the game, right, just because the Packers offense is not good enough to extend leads, and just because I think that Heineke in both directions introduces variance, this game against the Packers last year was really close. All which is to say, I think there's going to be a point in this game at which the commanders will be favorites, and we can grab the Packers at plus money. I like that angle. My only caveat there would be is I think maybe absent last week is the Packers were still up there as far as scripted plays, still being one of the better teams. So that's what would make me cautious to try to lean into Washington right off the bat, is if the Packers get up seven zip, and then that's done, then they're done scoring. Maybe the play then is actually to anticipate or double down. So like this you is all You have part a of position now. Yeah, position later, just in case it doesn't come to fruition, just in case they throw a pick six on the first drive, like almost happened last week. Yeah. Which is an interesting strategy of positioning in addition to the actual handicap. Right, like the betting strategy itself is the particularly yeah. interesting. Yes, this is what I want us to do for the rest of the season. It's a yeah. really angle into these types of exotic plays to where you can express a view with precision. Yeah. And because we're very good at being able to not just handicap outcomes of games, but flows of right. games. And I think that's, this is a great way to do and that's that. that's where we get the most. We can pick off the best lines. Yeah, this the, is one the of the- flow of the game. And the best thing about this, best things about the alt lines is for hedge fund managers, okay? Is when you don't need a 50%, you don't need to hit 55%. You can hit 30%, 28% and have a winning positive PL because you're taking levered positions with like ridiculous odds that are mispriced. I hate to toot my own horn too much, but if you go to the bottom of my let's say, PFF article that I posted today, it says that I am 11 and 20 on the year for an ROI of 126%, which I think goes to show how wins and losses are totally irrelevant. If you're implementing a truly sophisticated strategy, like yeah. you are, whereas most people are just betting sides and totals, or props or things with essentially like negative EV with very high taxes, essentially. And from that perspective, yeah, you have to hit 52.8% just to break even. So much better if you can hit 30% and be up 100% P&L. But this type of stuff we should try to hone in yeah. on. And I know it's, it's hard to do it like through every single one of these games, especially when we're on stream or maybe going through it for the first time. But I know like between now in game trade, live betting the games and Sunday morning. And one of these weekends too, I want to wake up not at 12.45 PM. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll come wake you like, Actually strategize and I'll get some yeah. positions. <laughs> yeah. Giants at Jaguars. So I guess you already hinted, we like Jaguars. But what I would say about the Giants is what it makes me a little bit cautious is because the market hasn't down as an upgrade of the Giants. So you could try to say, like, oh, the Giants are five and one, they're not nearly this good, and the Jaguars aren't nearly as bad as being two and four. So let's lean in the Jags. But the market, everyone knows the Giants aren't good. But or, or at least they think that they're not good. And who knows? That's not the thing that gives you pause. But if you go back to our chart with power rankings, the in-predict ranking is really what matters for the exact pricing yes. of this game. Because what the in-predict is doing is taking the market power ranking power rankings based on this exact line. And I think it's 17, it's 24 for the Jags and 26 for the Giants. Yep. The play is not on the Giants. It's really on the Jags. The market's saying they're 19th. I think they're closer to like 11th or 12th. And in predict, or the market, in this case, the actual minus three spread is saying 24. Look, it could be totally noise. Or that like the Giants are going to make this a trend and like they're going to stick around games and there's something about the way the team is built, something about the way the coaching staff is that we might not necessarily be able to quantify with numbers. That's what gives me pause. But at the same and the time, Jags are certainly the type of team to let them do that. That's true. Although I will say I do trust Doug Peterson in this coaching staff. I, like they're a young team for sure, but I do yeah. trust Doug Peterson. To, and this is as you're talking about, I was speaking with Josiah Clark, Sharp Clark, talking about how Doug Peterson has admitted to some of his mistakes in recent weeks about mm -hmm. how right that pitch we saw on the fourth and one. It's like the process was there. It was a bad play call. Results were okay. bad. But that was on my fault for calling a bad play. 
which leads me to believe he's not going to like force the situation differently. Exactly. I, that I think he's taking it from the kind of right perspective. But to get back to the, the handicap here, the Jags are being priced in as the 24th best team. Our drive quality has them at 10th and 11th offense defense. Trevor Lawrence has been very good against the blitz. He's been good against man coverage. The Giants play a ton of both man coverage. They blitz at the highest rate in the NFL. Right, There is a noticeable gap on our chart here. And I think the Giants defense is being propped up by some really dreadful opponents. Right, like the EPA ranks of their opponents. 22nd, 32nd, 25th, 24th, 23rd, 4th, drive quality, 22nd, 31st, 25th, 28th, 24th. And then the Ravens 4th, hampered. Which leads me to say, okay, the Giants defense not really that good. They haven't really been tested. And I think the Jaguars are exactly the type of matchup because of the man coverage angle, because of the blitz angle. I think they'll have no bother running the ball. There'll be no issue with, especially if they're leaning into uh, Travis at the end against the Giants run defense, which is allowing to 5.6 yards per carry, which is the most in the NFL. Yeah, There's a strong fundamental angle and matchup angle, which leads me on to the Jaguars. According to our drive ball team, they're not nearly the 24th ranked team here. They're and they're basically saying that they're generally an average offense. It's not average. average. Not even average. Top, it's 10th and 11th. 10th on offense, 11th on defense. Top 10 unit. So that's <laughs> saying the market is mispricing the Giants. And they're mispricing the Jazz. I agree. I agree. We should so actually we're include, kinda... We should include a drive quality. Rankings, Keep yeah. saying this. I'll actually add it to the script. Incl- include a drive quality power ranking. Yeah. Yes, that would definitely be interesting. In fact, I can add it here as well. And then we can add another column yeah. to see exactly That's what, I'm saying. what the yeah. delta is. I'm not convinced on Jags yet because I feel like we just keep canceling ourselves out here. And no, I'm, what we'll... I'm stronger on the Jags. Mm-hmm. I want to say I recognize the other side, but you got to trust the massive. It's such a big fundamental gap, right? It's that standard deviation that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And I'm coming firmly on the other side. All right, Bucks at... Carolina, minus 11, another double-digit spread for the Bucks. another road game. Now they're playing the consensus worst team in the league. First off, I just want to say repping, repping the Panthers and Rodney Smith, but that does not mean <laughs> that I'm backing. That does not mean I'm backing the Panthers. 10 for 16 for 60 yards in an NFL game. You talk about, like, fat left tails you talk about offenses that are not competent that you can't back this is example number one does that mean that they won't necessarily be able to figure it out by week 15 no idea what it's gonna be week 15 but at the current price point and the current point in time there's no way i can back the panthers on DraftKings, at least 51 percent of the bets coming in on the panthers yeah so there's a lot of selling of the bucks there especially yeah. at the double digits another thing i was reading from david purdom from espn last week was the sportsbooks had a great week and that buck steelers game was the biggest decision that they've had season to date just rip the face off of public betters and so now you can make the argument that the broader public is butthurt on the bucks even though we're not seeing a huge downgrade from them in the consensus market power rankings at least on a one-week perspective everyone just lost a bunch of money because everyone was piling into the bucks thinking it was free money and now the bucks are back with another double digit spread from a market perspective, purely, I could see how it could potentially be attractive. We just saw the Rams beat in not pretty fashion, but because the Panthers just played so poorly, still yeah. ended up beating them by double digits. The worry I have, and it's a weak angle, granted, but it's one one fluky fumble that gives the Panthers a touchdown, one fluky interception that gives the Panthers the ball, one big punt return, and it's okay. I don't trust that the Buccaneers offense is going to put up 24, 28 points to cover. And in which case, the Panthers score, they earn six points, but get seven points handed to them, and we have a, like, 24-14 type of game. And the Panthers' defense has been sufficient. Yeah. Lions plus seven at Dallas with the return of Dak Prescott, 49 total. Lions have scored well for us on our drive quality metrics, put up a massive stinker. Definitely my biggest kind of net loss PL perspective on a single game season to date. Just trying to buy the dip on that Patriots game and just not getting any bounce. We know Jared Goff struggles under pressure and now he's gonna be playing a team that excels in pressure on the road 
coming off the bye. I'm not sure if to express this necessarily in this game, but the long-term handicap on the Cowboys. I actually think for all teams, they're one of upgraded. Like not even relative to the rest of the league, but just like relative to how good I thought they would be. Which yeah. is that like the biggest question marks are almost been taken care of, which is like, Michael Gallup's back healthy as a secondary receiver. CeeDee Lamb is as good as advertised. And like Tyler Smith has done an admirable job on the offensive line. Where in the preseason, I had three main concerns, which was like, okay, the defense is not going to be able to sustain the same rate of pressure that they had last year. That seems to not really be true. The defensive line is really good. And that looks like it's continuing. Two, the offensive line lost some real key pieces, but they've had guys step up. Jason Peters, Tyler Smith have really come in and done a great job. Not so concerned about that. And to a lesser extent, there's still a bit of a concern because no one's really stepped out outside of Gallup and Lamb. The secondary weapons would be an issue. But all in all, like, the team is still better than had them in the offseason and has addressed those needs, which is why they're being power ranked fifth. Yeah. And I think if you take a look at the NFC landscape, <laughs> Dak Prescott might be the best quarterback. There's certainly an argument for it. And in this spot, like as you said, I just I don't trust the Lions defense to stop a nosebleed. The thing is, like you don't how much do you want to get hyper focused on one game? If you remove yeah. the Patriots game, I feel like you would say you're getting seven points with the Lions team. That's like a perfect backdoor cover number. Right. This is seeming like another life and strategy play, which is if you think at some point. But now I'm scared to buy the dip on the Lions live betting. <laughs> there you go. Maybe the play is to make the bet that the Cowboys are going to jump out to a 10 point, 14 point lead, get some plus money outs there, and then take the other side live. And maybe that's the expression, which is we know there's potential for the Cowboys to really blow them out. And you can hedge a little bit of like Lions money line if that doesn't happen the other way. I don't have a good grasp of the Lions. Maybe I'm filtering in too much of the Patriots game, but I'm high on the Cowboys and I think they present a, a difficult matchup for, as you said, Goff, who like really struggles under pressure. Uh, and if the defensive line can overwhelm the Lions. Offensive line, I don't know if the Lions can get anything going. Falcons at Bengals. Falcons still being priced generously. Plus six and a half, almost a full touchdown. I think it opened plus seven. I was talking to Corey. He said he had bet some plus seven already. Then it dripped down to five and a half. Now it's bounced back to six and a half. AJ Terrell went down. One of their better cornerbacks. Falcons, one of the handicaps last week for the Bengals Saints was that the Saints are one of the worst teams in the league at generating pressure on the quarterback. And they still sacked Burrow three times. Yeah. And now you can make the same criticism in this matchup, which is the Falcons are one of the worst teams at generating pressure on the quarterback as well. But it seems like everyone's generating pressure on the Bengals right now. And the Bengals, again, time weight average margin was negative versus the Saints last week. But now they come home, Falcons 6-0 ATS, and it's very well known that the Falcons are 6-0 ATS. I pretty much hear it cited on every, anecdotally, every single podcast that I've listened to. Yeah, I like the Bengals in this spot. I think the defense is good enough to slow down the Falcons, meaning their defense is good enough to meaningfully create downgrades. I think last week was a fluke off of like a bunch of long rushes. I don't think that's happening again. And I don't see, especially without AJ throughout, and this is something we spoke about in the preseason preview, which is actually the Falcons secondary looks okay on the surface, but like once one or two guys go down, like all shit's gonna break loose. And like they're really lack depth and they have a lot of weak links. Like, if AJ Terrell is not playing in this game, all of a sudden, it looks like a weak secondary unit. Uh, and I think Arjun made a really strong point last week when he talked about even though the Bengals lost on that Sunday night football game to the Ravens, they showed a willingness to play to the two-eye structure and just take what's there, which leads me to believe that the Bengals are going to take what they have. The Falcons' defense is not good. They'll be able to score at will, and the defense is good enough to slow down the Falcons. I mean, a flurry of injuries elsewhere on the defense as well banged up i wish it was cheaper though so that's just the thing is like at six and a half but this is it's especially if we're talking circa here i want that hook sure bengals upgraded three spots to that sixth now and i apologize by the way as the met too loves bengals if we took a strictly 50 50 split then the falcons would be 21st 59 percent of the bets coming in on the falcons again when you're six and oh and now you're getting six points Versus a team that I feel like the Bengals feel like a wet blanket. 
to most people. Like they're just not coming through the way everyone wanted them to. They're not as flashy as they mm -hmm. have been. They've had some big plays, but not like last year. Maybe it does come together this time. And two, the Bengals are not coming back home. Falcons being a dome team now outdoors. I like it for sure. Browns at Ravens. Browns plus six and a half. Another juicy number here. I feel like this should be lower. I'm glad I talked about and looked at like it's all that we're owing to because I feel butthurt on the Browns and now I can quantify why we're butthurt or at least why I'm butthurt on the Browns because we haven't made any money on it. I don't feel butthurt against about the, about the Browns, even though you rarely, uh, you rarely feel butthurt. That's true. With that aside, when though, you feel butthurt, it's probably a huge buy signal. Huge, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think this plays out similar to Green Bay, Washington. The Browns are good enough on offense, and the Ravens have struggled enough on defense. And I think at some point, the Browns are going to lead during this game. But I want to buy into the 230 now, and then get, grab the other side when that becomes available. Because I don't like the 6.5, and, and I don't want to stay off this game, because I think there's going to be a lot of volatility with that. But like, the Ravens are explosive enough on offense, and everything's working right, that I see a bunch of angles that, like, will cover the 6.5. We have them generally, they're in the same quadrant. Same cluster. Definitely the same cluster. So if we had any sort of implied point differential, certainly wouldn't be six and a half. I can run that quickly. I forgot that we need to run this. We have a lot of things like on the back burner that aren't necessarily being fully leveraged. And yet we're still 17 and 12. That's right. With a lot of firepower still yet to be put to use. And now also that Ravens type of performance it's like not even outliers. Now it's becoming like a habit. And it lines up with Rashad Bateman being out. And they simply just do not have no one to the field. And they have no one to the field. It's Mark Andrews and that's it. When I was listening disaster. to Tej and Arjun's taking the points, Arjun was comparing that game to Ravens-Dolphins last year, that Thursday night football disaster. Yep. That was one of the very kind of first games that popped up that season where it was like head scratching like Ravens. Oh man, they, got, they might have some problems here. It's true. Cool. Plus two and a half at Tennessee. I've seen some threes pop up already. It's on DraftKings. It's plus two and a half reduced juice, 42 and a half the total. My anecdotal experience listening to podcasts, etc. I've pretty much only heard Colts love for this. Everyone wants the Colts to be good. Everyone thought the Colts were going to be good. And now you got a little bit of a glimmer. Oh, that's what I expected the Colts to be. They're back. I don't really know what the, these are two bad teams as we see on our graph right here there are a lot of moving parts I want to fade the Colts but I don't want to buy the Titans and I'm trying to stick the two-sided handicaps I'm off this game actually this could be a great setup for Colts start slow Titans start hot oh I forgot to this goes to that saying and certainly if you follow my Twitter it will be on there Titans drive quality scripted plays number one after that number 32 and drive quality always a play it's a live bet the team under and depending on how the game's going in the same way we did when these two teams played earlier this year when we bet the, the live under right until the market is pricing in which they're not going to because they don't have the ability to team adjust until they're pressing in that the titans are number one on scripted plays and number 32 after that take advantage all right tennessee first quarter first half that's the bet to make jets down to plus one at denver Opened three and a half. I bet the three and a half right away. Now, Russell Wilson might not play. And that might be Brett Rippon. But in any case, my worry here is one of the graphs that we were honing in on last week and why we we're so strongly leaning into the Jets versus the Packers was Zach Wilson plays really well from a clean pocket. But then he plays terribly from under pressure. And the Broncos are one of the best teams at generating pressure right now. And now it's going to be on the road as well, off a big win, back-to-back -back road games. And now being priced aggressively. Now everyone's yeah. upgrading the Jets. Everyone's excited about the Jets. I liked it at three and a half. But at one, I, I can't. It, is, it seems too late. I thought I'd be on the Jets here. I'm not. This would be the spot where he regresses. Facing a tough defense in altitude, who gets pressure, who can create good coverage. This does seem like the spot where if I'm really going to upgrade Zach Wilson, I want to see him play well in Denver. Right? I don't want to project him playing well in Denver. I want to see him play well in Denver. That doesn't mean I'm panicking back in the Broncos. Certainly not. I think no. everything we can say about the... Jets, you can say, but the Broncos, which is the Jets do a really great job generating pressure. Also, Wilson's taking way too many sacks, or it's for Ripian, same thing, whatever. They're missing Garrett Bowles. 
All right, he's out for the year. And like, you gotta see the Broncos before you actually back him. This was the chart we were leaning into last week, which yeah. is Zach Wilson down here, clean pocket efficiency, one of the best in the league. Yeah. But then it's one of the worst league. under pressure. Yeah, which under pressure is generally less stable than I uh, kept clean. I just want to give a shout out to, to Kevin Cole for that uh, graphic. Does a terrific job there. But in a spot against Denver, uh, granted the Jets offense line is getting healthier, I still think Wilson's going to be under pressure and that can cause some real issues. What's the total on this? It's 38. 38. It's so low. Yeah. Very low. So but low. 38 is not even close to low enough if this is going to be a 2022 low scoring game. Which, by the way, if we do get some early scoring, oh yeah, this is the Live perfect guy. time. Perfect time. Really, that guy, I'm excited to re listen to this episode and actually take down notes of all the things I'm saying now and then actually live betting that. Yes. Executing a trade plan. Executing the trade plan. Things at Las Vegas off their buy, off their buys. Both teams coming off their buy. Yeah. Houston plus seven, oh, total at 45 and a half. 57% of the bets coming in on the Raiders. We got the Raiders at market consensus power ranking 16th, Texans 30th. A lot of disagreement on the Raiders, actually. So one of the bigger standard deviations that we see, ESPN yeah. has eighth, certainly a square kind of power ranking. PFF at 18th, 538 at 22nd. Football Outsiders at 24th. Certainly one of the better offenses, according to our drive quality metrics, but certainly one yep. of the worst defense next yep. to the Lions. So does that mean the Texans can cover a full touchdown? If you look at the weighted draft quality, we've got Vegas 20th, Houston 20th. So our I'm model's gonna... definitely going to suggest Texans. a slight lean on the Texans. And we've seen the Texans are very plucky. Another live betting yeah, trade. Yeah, true. I would say I think maybe this could be like a sneaky 45. If this game starts pretty slow, I wouldn't mind over? this one. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Chiefs. At 49ers in San Francisco, Chiefs minus two and a half. Saw I hit a three already. Probably gonna end up right around that three. Niners obviously dealing with a bunch of injuries. The Niners show up well in our drive quality, but that has to account for the injuries. Now. Exactly, it doesn't account for the injuries on the defense. Not that it really mattered in the first place against the Chiefs. They're gonna beat a good defense anywhere, but. I think there are almost two questions here, which is one, is the Niners defense good enough at their current juncture to at least slow down the Chiefs? And two, which Niners offense is going to show up? I have no idea. Uh, the Niners have had pretty varying outcomes. They dominated the Panthers, 37 on the Panthers. It's not like the Panthers are a train wreck on defense. Yeah, who cares? But they didn't show up against the Falcons last week. They didn't show up against the Broncos. They didn't show up against the Bears. They showed up against the Seahawks. They're going to show up against the... Chiefs, I don't know. As we said on the live stream last week, Chiefs jump out to a lead. I don't want to be backing Jimmy G down. Chiefs yes. Scores. Yes. That's Actually, yeah. And that's why you are very reluctant to gain any Niners exposure once they're down 14 zip. Yeah. This is not the offense necessarily built to really come back. And I think the Chiefs can really hammer, especially if they're being downgraded a bit on their offense on account of the Niners defensive production in the first five weeks of healthy players essentially just saying that like the market is not accounting enough for the injuries which I think is how you get to a two and a half point spread yeah I haven't heard too and Dan I'd be curious to hear what you what you, since I know you're on top of a lot of what the market is saying podcasts other sports betters and things like that I haven't heard a case for the Niners yet so sounds pretty imbalanced and it's such a short spread makes me nervous again the chiefs too are not outside of that first game versus the cardinals and the bucks and the bucks yeah which is a good defense which is a good defense yeah but the, yeah at the end of the day they're still occupying the number two spot on every offensive efficiency metric this is so this is a perfect summary of what we've talked about but what is the handicap on this game it's all kc the niners are too banged up Oh, you're going to get under a field goal potentially? It's all. But that's, all. but then I, the line move, it's surprising. We're going from three to two and a half. And I think my close at three, but I don't think that's necessarily the guaranteed handicap. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to close at three. In fact, what is 89% Chiefs on 
DraftKings. Interesting. But again, the skews squarer. So yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. But I, I want to make a, there's that's an important distinction to make because meaning we can tell where the pricing is coming from. Right? I care more about the fact that a handicap is square when I'm unsure what the embankments of the line. I can say with pretty good certainty now what's baked into this line is that the Niners defense will do enough to slow down the Chiefs. If that's what's mm-hmm. being priced in, and I know that with relative certainty and as much certainty as we can have, then yes, I do want to be, I don't care if it's a square take, because if that's what's being priced in and I want to fade that angle, like I'm going to bet the Chiefs here. Yeah, but we don't know that is. Yeah, of course, like, I, that's, I, a I great, that's a I great example total. of why you were leaning into Chiefs box. Why you're leaning in the Chiefs versus the Bucks? Because you knew what the handicap was, and that's what you wanted to fade. I think we're seeing the same thing here, which is why the total is not 51 and a half. I like that. I like that. That is a really great observation. That this total, yeah, should be higher, and this could potentially be pricing in. Oh, the Niners' defense is going to surprise at home. Yeah. And if that's the angle you want to fade, then that is definitely a good reason to lean into the Chiefs. All right, Seahawks plus six at the Chargers. I think this was seven for a while. I saw seven. I even saw seven and a half before. Okay, so some Seahawks buying on DraftKings. 73% on the Seahawks. Obviously, the Chargers did not put on a great game for the eye test on national TV. Going to OT versus the Broncos. Could not move the ball at all. And obviously they're banged up too, and their offensive line is getting just torn up. And if they didn't have Justin Herbert, man, the Chargers might be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And is Keenan Allen coming back? Exactly. I think he's coming back. I believe I read that he's slid for a full a week of full practices. He's this back. is a big spread. One of the things I've talked about too on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, he's certainly done Very like tough. The, yeah, I think the Seahawks defense is so bad that the Chargers will be able to move. Well, Will, and something I'm looking at is that I think the, the Chargers defense has played a lot better in recent weeks. Granted, it, it could be a function of playing the Broncos. Look at this, too. We got Chargers and Seahawks. Same quadrant, what? very close to one another. I mean, what's Geno Smith? Is he the... We're going to look back at this and say, okay, didn't do that much against the Broncos. Did nothing against a good Niners defense. Did well against a great Falcons defense at home was unbelievable against a ferocious defense against the Lions in a dome. Yeah. Was really good against a bad Saints defense in a dome. Didn't play so well against the Cardinals at home. At the Chargers now? I don't know. I'm not willing to buy Geno Smith. That could be fair. But I also, I don't think I can buy Chargers at such a big spread. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> like the spread. The Chargers have shown no ability, especially if Keenan Allen's not back. Yeah, and especially if Keenan Allen is out. If Keenan Allen is out, then could you lean Seahawks? This line dripping lower is probably pricing in an increasing probability that Keenan Allen's not going to play. That's another one. I'm not backing the Seahawks. I'm not buying the Seahawks. Pittsburgh plus seven at Miami. We go to that Kevin Cole chart where Tua is, and we see where Skylar Thompson... Teddy Bridgewater are. Whew, I think, wow. I think uh, the Dolphins want to back. Yeah. Wow. That's decisive. And our way to drive quality, number 32 team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that the Dolphins are by here. At seven. At seven. I even hope it's at seven for circa. Especially after- coming off a win for the Steelers at home, yep. beating yep. the Bucks. No one's going to... They might take the plus seven. I love the Dolphins here. Which is, I don't think it's being properly priced in how good, how much better Tua is, at least right now, that offense. The thesis that didn't manifest last week, which I think is a product of poor scheming on the Bucks' part, which is the Steelers' secondary is still awful. The Bucks' failure to capitalize on that is a product of the fact that, like, Teams are perfectly covering them at 52%, which is like a dysfunction on their offensive coordinator, offensive scheme, and their wide receiver's ability to get open. I don't think that's true of the Dolphins. And as we said, the Dolphins team are going to be especially prone to the matchups. And like They should be able to walk all over the Steelers secondary. And I think, too, that's exactly the quarterback will take advantage, and I think they can put up a bunch of points. And I think that 
if we're adding a little bit of flavor from the narrative angle, I think Mike McDaniel's hungry to get the Dolphins back into the conversation as a top team like they were after week three. And we also have the, according to our drive quality scoreboard, and a game between the Dolphins and Vikings was closer. Skylar Thompson doesn't get hurt. I think they win that game. Yeah, I agree with that. And still, even Waddle and Tyreek both blew up. One of the same game parlays that we were leaning into was Thompson, Tyreek, Waddle. Yep. Yep. And Thompson had 90 yards passing in the first quarter. Man, that was setting that up to going to be that was gonna, gonna that, be was gonna, that was going to cash for sure. I like the Dolphins. Dolphins. I like the buy on the Dolphins and the sell of the Steelers. Two sided handicap. Great yeah. two sided handicap. And especially as Dan points out too, if that Steelers secondary is still banged up, I mean they're starting so starting people off the practice squad. Last game of the week, Monday Night Football. It's a doozy. The Bears at the Patriots. Old school Patriots bully ball is back. The Patriots are continuing to surprise. And when they have you on the mat, I mean, it's like you're done. A couple of weeks in a row now, again, some big upgrades in the market. Almost a top 10 team now. Up 10 spots year to date, up five spots just last week. PFF has them as 12th. And again, it's more the analytics heavy industry analysts are higher, in fact, on the Patriots than something squarer like ESPN. So I know we've been cold on the Patriots. How are you thinking about them now? I won't avoid Patriots at all costs because I don't have a good take on them. So it's not necessarily that you still want to sell them. It's just you don't have a signal. No, I have no signal. Yeah. I thought I was on them. La- I was on them last year. I timed them perfectly last year which I really was onto their rise early and very quick to jump off the train. I don't have a good sense this year. I also, because I don't think I have a good sense of Zappy. Played really well, but I have no idea whether to think no. that will continue or not. I don't think there's anything to suggest that it isn't. Yeah. It goes back to just Bill Belichick putting young quarterbacks in good positions and also not to make mistakes unless you're just a bad quarterback and you just make those mistakes. Yeah. And he's not. Yeah. We look and also at our drive quality, they're in that top right quadrant with those handful of teams like Eagles, like Bengals, like Bill. By our way to drive bodies, number six. Uh-huh. The Bears are the exact type of team that can be bullied, are susceptible to be bullied, susceptible to being buried. I like the alt spot. Or not. I like that too. Yeah. Patriots alt spread. I'm going to give it an absolute blowout. They run all over them. Give me a nice same game parlay with Ramondre Stevenson, rushing yards, a game scenario in which the Patriots just run and dominate the bears and force a bunch of turnovers yep and this is already creeping up it was at seven now it's at eight probably trying to protect against some of those teasers those are probably going to be a very popular teaser leg yeah certainly not one of the more more popular bets though thus far as what we've talked about so like using DraftKings as a proxy 71 percent of the bets on patriots there's more tickets on the seahawks <laughs> than the Patriots. So that eight, that seven, that full touchdown could be scaring more of the market off. All right. That's our NFL week seven market outlook. Thanks everyone for joining. Thanks everyone for listening. And that's close bell.